just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. You know, when I started this show, I had somebody say, well, Donald Trump's out of office. You're not going to have anything to talk about. Yeah, right. There's plenty of things happening in this country. Crazy shit, good shit, all kinds of shit are happening in this country. Things we need to talk about. But the fact of the matter is Donald Trump isn't even really gone. Yeah, he's doing open mic down at Mar-a-Lago. And that's all he's really doing as far as exposure. But he still controls the Republican Party. The Republican Party largely does what he says. And we know that shit is crazy. So with all the other things happening, and of course, Donald Trump's current involvement in the Republican Party. Oh, there's plenty to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about the profit and loss statement of the year 2020. Yeah, we know there was a lot of loss, but there was some profit too. Uh, We're going to discuss that a little bit. And uh, one of the biggest things I think were a problem in it was something that affected me directly. I have a little story for you about that, something that maybe many of you have experienced. But before before we uh, get into that particular uh, part of the show, I had a caller, a listener call in and ask a question about Joe Manchin. Now, he is the senator from uh, West Virginia, Democratic senator, and he is against D.C. statehood, which seems weird because most Democrats are for it. And he's wondering, is this that Joe's worried worried about uh, balance of power in the Senate or it's just ego or what is it? Hey, Mike, I wanted to get your take on this one. So Joe Manchin says that he does not support D.C. statehood. Uh, Is this just grandstanding because he doesn't want to give up balance in the Senate? I find it a little ironic because it's right in his backyard and his constituents probably have family and friends in the area. So will he back down and come around on this one? Or is his ego really going to take over? The first thing you need to understand is who Joe Manchin is. He is a Democratic senator from West Virginia. He's part of the reason why the Senate is evenly split. 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats. Of course, we know Kamala Harris breaks any tie because she's the vice president and president of the Senate. Okay, we got that. Now, it should be an easy call that any 51 vote win would easily go to the Democrats. But wait a minute, that's not the case. The fact of the matter is, while Joe Manchin is a Democrat, he doesn't always vote with the Democrats. He sometimes sides with the Republicans. Now, what troubles me about this, as long as we have this even split, we have Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia. He's Democrat, but that state is largely Republican, so he's got to kind of ride the fence a little bit in order to keep getting voted in, and he's been voted in for years. So sometimes he sides with Republicans. He's very conservative about the things he votes for. So he's a conservative Democrat, which is cool. But here's my problem with it. Because we have this even split, and because we have Joe Manchin on our side, technically, meaning the Democrats, 
but he doesn't always side with us. So this gives Joe Manchin an inordinate amount of power. He can determine whether something goes or something doesn't go. And the problem I have with that, the total number of voters in West Virginia is 1,200,000, maybe 1,250,000. So that small group of people are going to dictate what happens in this country. Do we keep the filibuster? Do we get the uh, infrastructure bill? Do we get health care? Do we do all that sort of thing? Because a lot of times in that situation, Joe will side with the Republicans. So in terms of counting on him for a vote as a Democrat, you can't. And he knows that, so he realizes that at this point in time, he has some power. So he's going to exercise that power. And that's the way the Senate works. I got power, so if you want me to do this, you're going to have to give me and my state something. That's been going on for hundreds of years. That's just the way it goes. So now that Joe does have some power here, he's going to exercise that power. And sometimes he's just going to do it because he doesn't believe in anything but what the Republicans believe. So Joe Manchin is a problem. And frankly, the only way to deal with Joe Manchin is not to get him out of office, because you're not. He's been in there for decades. You're not going to be able to primary him or anything like that because he's going to get voted in. It's a small community. They love Joe Manchin, so they're going to keep voting him in. So the only thing the Democrats can really do come 2022 is somehow try to widen the margin in the Senate and take that power away from Joe Manchin. Now, I can't wait for that opportunity. I fully believe that in 2022, the Republicans are going to take a beating only because of all the things that will be exposed and have been exposed between now and 2022. The Republicans are all, we're already losing power in numbers. That's why they want to suppress the vote. That's why they want to gerrymander. They got to rig the system in order to win because there just isn't enough people for them to win anymore. The old white man power is dying. And as that dies, it's going to become more and more difficult for them to get voted in. They see that. So they got to figure out a way to rig it. Like I say, suppression of votes, gerrymandering, lying, cheating, stealing, whatever it takes. They don't want to lose their power, so they're going to do virtually anything. But let's talk about Joe Manchin. He is a Democrat. He doesn't vote always Democrat. We can't count on him. Uh, for the Democrats. So we have to deal with him. Now, Tyler says he is against Washington, D.C. statehood. Now, why would anybody be against Washington, D.C. statehood? I mean, let's look at the facts. These people in Washington, D.C. do pay federal taxes, but they have no representation, what is, which is decidedly against the way our system works, taxation with representation. They pay taxes, but they have no representation. It should be a slam dunk. It should be a no-brainer. Give them statehood and let them enjoy all the things everybody else in every other state enjoy. But the Republicans don't want that. And the Democrats do want that. So let's look at why. Well, Washington, D.C. is largely people of color. And it's very specifically Democratic. So the Democrats want it because it gives them more power. But the Republicans don't want it because they'll lose power. That's really the essence of what's going on here. 
Now, Joe Manchin in West Virginia may want to keep the balance of power in the Senate. He wants to keep his power in the Senate. He likes this 50-50 split because now this little guy in this little state has some power to get some things for himself, for his state, or just to perpetuate whatever his policies are. So he likes it like this. He likes it a lot because everybody looks to Joe Manchin for what's going on, even though he doesn't represent that many people uh, in comparison to the rest of the country. Does he want to keep the balance in power? Yeah, I would say he does want to keep the balance in power because that keeps him in power. As soon as the Democrats go ahead and have 10 more senators where they can pass a supermajority, they don't give a shit about Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin becomes less important. So he wants that that diversity in the Senate of 50-50 because then he has power and it affords him opportunity to get more things for himself and for his state. Now, he also added, is it ego? Tyler, let's, let's be honest. Everything in this fucking business, politics, is ego. Ego and greed. That's all it is. Republicans don't want these people to be represented by states, uh, by senators, because they lose power. That's the only reason. That is the absolute only reason. But let's be honest. The only reason the Democrats want them to be a state is because they get more power. It's all about greed and ego. Joe Manchin likes having power because he's from some little shitty state that doesn't have a lot of power, but now he does. He enjoys that power. He wants to keep that power. So, yeah, it's all about ego. Don't kid yourself. Everything in politics is about ego and greed. Democrats and Republicans. Right now, the Democrats seem like the good guys because they're trying to shut down these horrible people on the Republican side. But should the Democrats get full and complete power, we've got to watch them too. Because they have a track record of doing some shitty things. Let's talk about the trickle-down theory and giving money to the rich and taking it away from the middle class. Yeah, the Republicans do that, but so have the Democrats. So we have to be careful if they get full power that they may revert back to paying off their buddies who in turn pay them off. So yeah, it's ego, it's greed. He wants balance of power, so he maintains power power. Tyler, thanks for the question. I appreciate it very much. Now we'll get to the uh, topic at hand, and it's the profit and loss statement for the year 2020. I mean, let's be honest, 2020 as a year sucked. There were so many bad things that happened in 2020. First and foremost, there's covid We have a president that totally ignores it, denies it, and this thing takes fire and spreads throughout the country, kills 560,000 people and counting. Nothing like that has ever been seen since 1918 when we had the Spanish flu pandemic, which was um, inappropriately named, but that's what they called it. There was about 600,000 people that died in America in 1918, 1919. So this is very similar to what happened back then, except we're over 100 years later, and it's no goddamn better. 
We have better technology, better medicine, better everything. We've had other pandemics that have come into this country, but we've been able to shut them down. And why? Very simply, because we had a president, we had a Congress that knew what they had to do. They needed to make a plan. They needed to attack it and take care of it. And it never spread like we're seeing with COVID. The reason COVID spread is because it was ignored. Donald Trump thought it was a detriment to his uh, election, so he tried to act like it didn't happen. And by doing nothing... Here we sit with 560,000 people dead. If you want to place a blame on COVID, it is squarely on the shoulders of Donald Trump and the Republican Party because they supported whatever Donald Trump said. You can argue with me all day about this, and I would love to sit down with a Trumplican and debate this because you're not going to win. You look at all the facts. You make the comparisons. You see where we are today as opposed to 1918, and you have no case. You can't even argue it. It's very clear. Trump Republicans are culpable for COVID and all the deaths that occurred when it started because nothing was done. Well, of course, with COVID, we get all kinds of economic problems. People lose their jobs. Everything gets shut down. Everybody stays in their house. I was talking to my wife the other day, and we're driving around in the car, and uh, I looked at her, and I said, remember a year ago? This country was fucked, and life sucked, mainly because we've got shut down, couldn't go out to dinner, and let's be honest, I'm an old man. My wife is just a little bit younger than I am. Our main social life is going out to dinner. That's how exciting we are. But you couldn't do that. In fact, we one time went to our favorite restaurant. And it's just a hamburger joint. But the best hamburgers I've ever had anywhere. And we wanted to go there, but they were only curbside service. Well, it was quite a distance from where we lived. And it was the summer months. So we go up and uh, buy lounge chairs and put them in the back of our vehicle go in, get our hamburgers and fries, and I hated it because I hate being uncomfortable when I'm eating, like in a car or something like that. But we got these lounge chairs, bought the stuff, sat in a parking lot, and ate it that way. It was the only way we could eat out, and I'm not telling anybody anything here because you all experienced it. And with all that closure, there were companies that were shut down permanently. I mean, they just didn't have the power or the money to come back a year later when it was over. There are some that stayed open but got through on a shoestring. Economically, it was absolutely horrible for businesses. And, of course, the Republicans will blame the Democrats because we closed everything down. But, Jesus Christ, we got 560,000 people dead. What are you going to do? Expose more people to death? They had no choice. You want to blame the Democrats for closing things down, but Jesus Christ, if you'd done something in the beginning, it wouldn't have had to be done. So we've got the closures. We've got the economic problems. We lost a ton of jobs by closing these places down. Did you know that Donald Trump is the only president in recent memory, if not ever, that after after left after he left office, he's the only president to have 
lost jobs, like 7 million jobs. And they'll say, well, yeah, but it was because of COVID. Yeah, well, because of COVID is because of you, you dumb fucks. So you lost the jobs. Now, of course, it wasn't just economic that we had problems in 2020. We had all kinds of racial strife. Derek Chauvin, this dipshit racist, kills George Floyd on video for 9 minutes, 29 seconds. It gets out to the public. There are riots in Minneapolis. But little did they know, these riots would spread all over the country as far as Seattle, Portland, St. Louis, everywhere in the country. People of color were getting tired of being killed on the street, innocent people being killed on the street. And now they had a video that showed exactly what happened. White people finally became aware of what is going on on the streets, and this was something people of color have known for decades. Finally, it's been exposed. So now we've got riots, people burning buildings. Now, the Republicans typically want to blame the Democrats for this. And let's be honest, there are people of color that were involved in the riots and uh, some of the destruction and the looting and that sort of thing, and I don't condone it, nobody condones it. I can guarantee you Black Lives Matter doesn't condone it. But we also have to add in the fact that there were many white supremacists who came into these riots or protests to begin with and antagonized people and started shit. And uh, Republicans say, that didn't happen. Well, it fucking did happen. In Minneapolis, there's at least four or five white supremacists that were arrested and are in jail because they were part and parcel to the burning of the 3rd Precinct Police Department in Minneapolis and other places. There's video of a guy breaking out windows before anything occurred in Minneapolis as far as destruction. He came in in his suit and his face covering and his mask and a, and a, a baton and started breaking windows before anything else was happening. Well, they caught the guy. And guess what? He's a white supremacist. So to suggest that Black Lives Matter is this violent organization that starts shit, not quite. Not quite. I'm not saying people of color didn't do damage, but it would have never started had these white supremacists not come in and antagonized the situation. At some point, you get this mob rule, you know what I mean? People start breaking stuff, the anger gets higher, then everybody starts doing it. That doesn't forgive the people of color that were involved in the destruction, the damage, and the looting, but it had to start somewhere. And the white supremacist, at least in Minneapolis, is where it started. I mean, they had a plan. They're all about chaos. They see a protest in Minneapolis for killing a black man. They say, let's get up there. Act like one of the crowd. Let's mess things up and get things going. Start some fights. Break some windows. Burn some buildings. And then it just kind of multiplies. It gets out of control. So in 2020, we had all kinds of riots. We had deaths. We had uh, uh, cops killing innocent people. Now, I want to make a point, too. People of color have a solid complaint about policing in this country. They have been harassed. They have been beaten. They have been killed for decades. 
But what you have to understand is we're dealing with an attitude, an anger problem, or it's not even just about racism. It's about cops thinking they're superior and in power of anybody else. Now, I'll grant you, white people don't get nearly the heat that people of color do. But you do still deal with their anger and their mistreatment of people. The bottom line is these people are supposed to protect and serve, and they don't. They go out there, play taskmaster, think they control everything, think they can do everything. And this is a problem in the culture of policing. I'd like to say it's a few guys in police departments, and maybe it is a few guys in police departments. But the people who stay quiet about it and allow this to happen are just as culpable as the people committing the crimes. we got a real problem, real problem with uh, the way police departments treat citizens. They're not protecting and serving. They're lording over us and punishing us when we don't do exactly what they say. That's not how the system's supposed to be, and we've got a lot of work to fix that. I have some ideas, but we'll talk about that at another date. Now, one of the biggest problems I see that have come out of 2020, actually 2016 to 2020, um, I can't say it's worse than racism. I can't say it's worse than 560,000 people uh, dead. But this is a problem that each and every one of us deal with and will probably deal with for the rest of our lives, given all that happened. And that's the division we're seeing in this country. We got Democrats, we got normal Republicans, and then we got the crazy ass QAnon Republicans that follow Donald Trump. The people with Donald Trump are very divisive and they love to attack people that don't agree with them. It's a funny thing about these guys. They started out calling Democrats snowflakes because they could just go bully them and the Democrats would just fold and let them do it. Well, now after time and they're exposed for what they are, the Democrats are pushing back. Now they're being the snowflakes because that's what people of their ilk do. They're the bully until somebody pushes back and now they're the victim. They're the victim. You know, I get a lot of people coming to me when they hear me talk about Donald Trump and they say, oh, you're just a bleeding heart liberal. Well, I'm not. I'm not a liberal completely. I'm liberal about some things and more conservative about others. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. So when you Republican bullies come to me and I disagree with you, you're not dealing with some passive bleeding heart liberal because I'm going to slap you in the face before I retreat, especially if I know I'm wrong. And more and more people like me, more and more people like you and us are coming to the surface because we're tired of the shit. Now, these Republican bullies don't know what to do because they're getting shoved back in their face. Let me talk about the divisiveness now. Every one of us probably has an experience, a situation where we had friends, neighbors, colleagues, even relatives that we always got along with. We never really talked about politics with, but now we can't stand because they love Trump and you don't love Trump. And now it's an argument. It's adversarial. 
I had a situation like this. And I'm going to tell the story only because I think there's a lot of people who have experienced something similar. And it was a weird one. I have a brother-in-law married to my sister. He's a truck driver, not the sharpest tack. But, you know, we've always got, we were always cordial. Never really liked him, wouldn't be buddies with him because he's not very smart. And uh, he's kind of adversarial about a lot of things. He's one of these people that if you don't believe what I believe, I'm mad at you. But it never escalated to anything because I never really cared to get anything into depth with him. And I never did, even leading up to this point where we had this blowout, if you will. If you've seen my TikToks and you've heard me here on podcasts, you know I speak out pretty freely and pretty directly about my disdain for, uh, uh, for Donald Trump and the Republicans. I do it a lot. And even before I was on TikTok, I was posting a lot of things about Donald Trump and his deficiencies and his criminality on Facebook. I've been doing it for four years. And I'm not particularly intending just to attack Donald Trump, but I'm taking what's happening this day and explaining it, how bullshit it is. And I do it a lot on Facebook. I had a number of followers on Facebook, a couple thousand, maybe 2,500. People took to what I was saying. I was doing some videos and doing some writing. And I kept doing it. I was just simply exercising my First Amendment right. I wasn't pointing at anybody particular other than the problem, other than Donald Trump and other than the Republicans. I didn't say you're a jerk because you believe that. Now, occasionally we did get these Trumplicans come in and I have to debate with them for a little bit. Ultimately, I would just kind of shut them down and either block them or move on. But here's the situation. It's Christmas time. Now, it's COVID, so we aren't going to have the normal get-togethers we normally have. So my wife and I decided to get in the car and drop off some presents to nieces and nephews and brothers and sisters and just stop off, drop the stuff off, maybe talk to them briefly with some social distancing and make it just a nice, light thing. So on this day, my wife and I go to, uh, go to my sister's house. And we knock on the door, we come on in, my sister's there, my niece is there. It's a nice situation. We gave our niece some presents, money, I don't know what it was. And my wife uh, is into this cricket thing, you know, where you make the decals and letters and stuff like that. You, the ladies probably know what I'm talking about. It's kind of cool, actually. But anyway, my wife had made a runner for a table that was kind of personalized to their family. And she made a pillow that was personalized to their family. You know, the dog's name, places they go, things they like. It was a fun thing. It wasn't crazy expensive, but it was nice. It was a gesture. We go there, and we're sitting talking about everything's all fine and nice. No big deal. Then my brother-in-law comes home from work driving the truck. He's probably in a bad mood anyway, but he comes in. He's never really given me any trouble because he knows I'll give the trouble back. But we're talking, and, and all of a sudden, something about COVID comes in. And he looks at me very angrily, and he says, Well, this governor is a tyrant closing everything down. He's taking people's livelihoods away. He's a tyrant. 
And of course, I can't let that go, but I'm not going to yell and scream. I look at him, I said, well, you know, had it been handled properly at the top, meaning the president, we wouldn't even be doing this right now. And at that moment, that's all I said. And at that moment, he exploded. And he was furious. And the fact of the matter is, I know he was waiting to do something like this. He couldn't stand that he had to keep his mouth shut in front of me. And I know my sister tried to force him to keep his mouth shut in front of me because she knows me. She doesn't screw with me, even though she can be kind of a bitch, but she won't do that to me. So I say that, and he loses his shit. (laughs) And he says to me, you know what, Mike? I am so tired. I've had to listen four years to you talk badly about Donald Trump, to talk badly about evangelical Christians, to talk badly about all these people. I've had to listen to that and read that for four years. I said, you have a Facebook page? He said, no, I would never have a Facebook page. I go, then how the fuck do you know what I wrote? And if you did see what I wrote and you didn't like it, why did you continue to read it? You know me. You know you're not going to be in an argument with me. Because you know I'll argue back. You don't like that. You like to be the bully and push people down. You know you can't do that to me. Why would you continue to read it? And why do you bring it up now? I say, you don't have a Facebook. How did you see it? On, on on, your sister's Facebook page. Oh, you're sneaking on my sister's page just to read my shit. Thank you very much. You helped me <laughs> expand the base on Facebook. Oh, you didn't like that. So now he's really angry. I mean, he's really, really upset. Now, I've dealt with people like him before, and I know the best way to deal with this person Also add into the fact I'm in his home, it's Christmas, I have my wife, I have my sister, and I have my niece standing there. The last thing I want to do is engage this guy in a yelling argument. Two reasons, because it's just going to get out of hand. And I don't need it to get out of hand. I don't care about him anywhere near as much to get that excited about him. Secondly, I don't feel comfortable because I'm in front of these other people that are just being quiet, not saying a thing, and I'm in his home, and it's Christmas for Christ's sake. And I know that if I just keep my cool, that's going to piss him off more. And it did. So he says to me, you said evangelical Christians are the enemy of this country. And I looked at him, I said, "Uh, yeah, I said that. He said, you're talking badly about me and my family. We're evangelical Christians. And I said, uh, yeah, okay, I still stand by what I said. That made him matter. You said that, that, that uh, Trumplekins, as you call them, <laughs> are, <laughs> are toothless redneck idiots. And he looked at me and he kind of smiled at me, showing me his teeth. And I said, uh, okay. Clearly, you have most of your teeth, so I'll, uh, I'll take that one back. But the rest stands because you're idiots, because you're following some knucklehead that's damaging this country. Now he's even angry. He looks at me real hard, like he's intimidating me. 
I've known this kid since he's 17 years old. I could have kicked his ass back then. I could have kicked his ass now. But we're not going to get to that point because we're 60. The whole fighting thing is fucking ridiculous. So he says, hold on right here. I want to show you something. So he leaves the room and I think, is this nutcase going to go get a gun? But I'm just keeping cool. I mean, this is family. I'm in their house. It's not going to get too crazy. (laughs) But he comes out. Sits down across the table from me, grabs his, uh, grabs a Trump 2020 hat, puts it on his head, crosses his arm, looks hard at me like, now what are you going to do? <laughs> and what I did is what I just did here. I laughed. I go, wow, did you think I didn't think you were a Trump fan? Or did you think that hat had so much goddamn power that it would push me back and on my knees and beg for forgiveness? I said, dude. I don't care if you voted for Trump. I didn't come over here to talk about Trump. I'm just dropping off some gifts for Christmas, trying to be a nice guy. Funny, you didn't stop by my house with any gifts, but that's okay. We're here to give, and we're happy to do it. We have nieces and nephews, my sister and you. But now you want to turn this into a fight. So he's yelling and screaming more, and I'm just kind of playing it cool as best I can. That's the one thing I learned when I was very young. Whenever I lose my shit, I always end up worse. So from the time I was very young, I forced myself to stay cool in every situation. That's why you're hard-pressed to ever see me yell or scream at anybody, because I know it doesn't work. But if I stay cool, it does two things. It allows me time to think, to do the right thing, and it pisses off the people that can't handle holding their shit. And that's what happened. He keeps ranting and raving and wanted to suck me into a yelling argument. And I'm not. Not backing down. He says, you said this. I go, yeah, I said that. And he thinks by intimidating me that I'm going to back off and say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't really mean it. And then he's in control. No, that's not going to happen. I said what I said. I mean what I said. And I stand behind what I said. And I have a right to say it because it's my First Amendment right. If you don't like that it was on Facebook, don't fucking read it. That's on you, pal. So this guy gets so angry and doesn't know what to do because he can't suck me into the argument. He can't suck me into the argument. So what he does is he gets up. He doesn't know what to do with himself. He goes in the kitchen and grabs that runner that we brought to him as a gift. He's just so upset. He doesn't know what to do. He grabs the runner, walks over by me, and throws it at me. Well, it's a runner for a table, so it weighs about two ounces. I look at him, I go, really? (laughs) That's your best shot? (laughs) Now he's even madder. So now he walks over to the couch, (laughs) grabs the pillow my wife just gave my, my sister, picks it up, looks at me mean as can be, goes to the front door in the middle of the winter, and throws the pillow out in the yard. Again, I laugh at him. I go, dude, it's your pillow. You can do whatever the fuck you want with it. I don't care. We did what we did. We came over in good faith, gave you a gift. Now, if you want to throw it in the garbage after we leave, that's fine. If you want to throw it in the yard while we're here, cool. I don't care. But now my sister finally speaks up. Ah, she gave that to me. Now she's angry at him. But she's she's not not backing him. Because I know she feels the same way, only because she's influenced by her husband. She's still of that era where she does whatever her husband says. 
So they go out and they get the pillow and bring it back in, brush it off, put it back on the couch. And this uh, this guy's just losing his shit. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, this has been fun. We ought to go. And my wife is very uncomfortable. And honestly, I thought when I got outside, she was going to give me shit for starting this. And I didn't really start it. I just said what I believed. And fortunately, my wife believes everything I think. We're on the same page. And I thought she was going to yell at me because she didn't like the situation. <laughs> we get out in the car, and I'm waiting for her to yell at me because she knows I speak up. And whenever I speak up, she kind of feels uncomfortable about it or embarrassed, and she'll say something to me. We get in the car. She goes, that fucker is an idiot. I go, whoa, <laughs> I got some backup here. Nice, nice. But before we leave, I'm saying, oh, we should probably get going. And uh, my wife agrees. My uh, sister and niece are mortified, but they do still support Donald Trump. And the last thing he said to me, I found the most <laughs> hilarious. And he realized that he made a mistake when he said this. And he says to me, you just keep writing and talking about the shit you talk about, you and your transgendered friends. I go, what? <laughs> Did you just say that? And immediately he looks at me like, oh, that was fucking dumb. I go, yeah, that was dumb. And now we're going to talk about it. I go, did you just say that? Transgendered friends? I go, I got a lot of friends. Some I may not even know are transgendered. I don't give a fuck because it doesn't matter to me. I'm not some fucking toothless evangelical Christian that thinks other people that aren't like them are bad or the devil. You do. Have you ever looked at your family? Because you got some problems in your family, his personal family, and I won't even go into that. I said, you got some devils in your family, but somehow they're okay. But you're worried about fucking transgender. Shut up. I said, said to my wife, we got to go. This is fucking pointless, tiring, and this is just a lost cause. So we go off and take off. Now, if I'm my brother-in-law and I'm my sister, at some point you would think they would say, God, that got out of hand. We ought to call and touch base and try to smooth things over. Yeah, we don't agree on the same things, but we're brother and sister and brother-in-law. We can't let that happen. And so, never hear a word from them. No response from the day after to now of their point of view. But now I'm getting invitations to go to my niece's graduation. My wife says, what should we do? I said, we should get a card, put money in it, and send it to her and wish her the best. That's what we should do. He goes, you're going to be an asshole and not go? I said, I'm not being an asshole. I'm trying to be a good guy by not going. Clearly, this guy can't hold his emotions back. I'm not going to go there if I'm the trigger point for this clown and ruin my niece's graduation. Besides the fact these people are Trump fans, anti-vaxxers, I've got my vaccination, but I'm not going to go there and risk being exposed and then have trouble going to see my granddaughter because I was. There's no reason in the world for me to go to that graduation. Nothing but bad can come from going to that graduation party. I'll be a nice guy, wish her the best, send her a chunk of money, and call it a day. 
and my wife is worried about this and concerned about how it's going to play out. I said, I said, don't worry about it. Do not worry about it. We're doing the best we can with the circumstances we have in front of us, and it'll be fine. It's not that I'm not willing to give in and say I'm sorry, but I didn't do anything wrong. I just spoke my mind. I didn't yell. I didn't scream. I didn't throw presents outside. I had to sit and listen to that and watch that. I'm not going to apologize for believing what I believe and staying calm while doing it. It's on them to approach us about what was going on. I'm willing to compromise a little bit in order to keep the family together. In fact, we're going to have a party over at our house and they'll be invited. The only difference is that when they come to my house, they're on my turf and they're going to play by my rules. And the moment somebody starts losing their shit, they're fucking gone. And the problem they have is when they come here, they are outnumbered. I've got my brother. I've got my friends. I've got my other relatives. Nobody believes in the Trump bullshit. So if they come over here and start spewing it, they're outnumbered. So that means they're not going to do it because they have no courage. They are cowards. So I'll invite them over here. And if they want to come, they're more than welcome as long as they behave. But I'm not going over to their territory, ruin my niece's graduation. And even expose myself to that shit again. Because when I'm there, I don't feel like I can protect myself as much as I normally would. Never yell and scream, but I would certainly be a little more pointed, a little more aggressive about what I said to this clown. So, the reason I tell you that story, because it's an unusual story for me and my family, but I'm thinking there's a lot of people out there who have experienced similar things. And it's sad. And that's one of the losses of 2020. We have lost relationships with friends, neighbors, colleagues, and even relatives. And how do you ever get that back? The only way you can get that back is when these people admit they're wrong, because they are absolutely wrong. It's not even up for debate. But will they ever admit they're wrong? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think they can admit it. And unfortunately, that might make the division permanent. And I hate that. But you know what? Life has to go on. Life has to go on. And if you want to not get vaccinated, if you want to continue following Donald Trump, that's fine. But I'm not going to associate with you because you've done everything you could to try to damage this country and the democracy. And by doing that, you're risking the future of my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids. And that's hard to forgive. It's one thing to call me a bad name or push me down or even punch me in the face. That can be forgiven. But if you're looking to destroy what's important in this country and ultimately affect my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, that's a step too far. And that requires a lot of apology and a lot of change for me to even consider talking to you as if you're my relative. Sorry, that's just the way I am. And I may be wrong, but I'm right for me. And that's all any of us can do is be right for us. Okay, we've talked about the losses. Let's talk about the pros of 2020. You're probably saying, how could there be any goddamn pros? Well, there is some. First of all, we've had a lot of exposure of what's going on in government. 
for 40 years, we've had this trickle-down theory where let's give money to the rich and they'll make everything all right for the middle class. Now, let's be perfectly honest. Donald Trump and the Republicans are guilty of paying off the rich and taking it out of our pockets. But don't be under any delusion that the Democrats didn't do it in those 40 years, because they did. They all bought into it. They all bought into the greed. I give the rich people money. They give me money. I get reelected. We perpetuate our power. I don't care what anybody says. If you're a staunch Democrat or a staunch Republican, that's what fucking happened. But now things have been exposed. And the reason they've been exposed, surprisingly, is because of COVID. This COVID, as bad as it was, was positive in one sense. It exposed the need for the middle class to be um, attended to, to helped, to be pushed along. For all these years, we struggled and did all these things so the rich people could have money. And it was quiet. They pushed down all the news and information, and everybody just bought into it. But now people are out of work. People are starving. They're in line for food and clothing. Now the government has no choice but to help us. Not only for our sake, but for the economy's sake. I've always said this. You can take and take and take from the middle class, but once you have everything, the whole thing goes to shit because the middle class is important to the growth and the economy in this country. Once you take too much... Everything is gone, and everybody, including the rich, are fucked. Well, with COVID and all these things that people need and they're starving like never before, now the government has to give us some help, whether it be money, whether it be health care, whether it be schooling. They've got to do something to inspire the economy to keep it going. That's what the stimulus was about. It wasn't about putting $1,400 in your pocket so you feel more comfortable. It was about stimulating the economy so the whole thing doesn't fall to shit. And it's working. But now we've got other issues. We've got health care. We've got jobs. We've got problems with racism. Now the government is forced to focus on us, to help us, to work for us. And you know where the problem is for the Republicans and even the Democrats that thought trickle-down was a great idea? The problem is once they start helping us, once they start attending to us, and it affects the economy positively, people are happier, people flourish, and actually more taxes come in because more people are making more money. And since the middle class is what fuels this economy— Oh, my God, shit starts to get good. When attending to the middle class, the people who shoulder most of the burden for this economy, when you reinvest in them, that's a good thing in this country. It's not about greed anymore. Once that happens and once we experience it and see it, how do you resell the trickle down? How do you say, okay, we're good now. Let's give the money back to the rich. Nobody's going to want to do that because they see what happens. They see investing in the people who shoulder the burden is where the success is in this country. That's been exposed. They're having to do it now. The curtain's been pulled on the Wizard of Oz. And once it's pulled back and it works, they're in a problem situation. They can't resell. Give us all the money and we'll take care of you. It won't work anymore because we've seen it's worked by helping us. That's a positive thing that's happened in this country. Then Joe Biden gets elected. 
We've been under tyranny. We've been under a dictator for four years, and he did everything he could to damage this country. He had no empathy, no sympathy for anybody. It was all about Donald Trump and making money. The COVID thing, he ignored it, not because he didn't really believe in it, because obviously he knew it was a bad thing when he, when he uh, 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 did the interview and said, oh, this is really bad. People can die. He knew it. The only reason he didn't do anything, because he thought it would be better for him and his election. That's how he lived his life. That's how he was president of this country. Well, Joe Biden's in. He has some compassion. He has big problems he has to fix. Otherwise, he's going to look very stupid. So even if he wasn't compelled to help the people, and I think he's a compassionate guy, he would look dumb because he wouldn't be able to dig out of this. He's smart enough to know what he needs to do to get this country back on track so hopefully he can get reelected again or somebody who precedes him or, 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 or follows him um, will get reelected. So all of this has been exposed. Now people know, like I say, the curtain's been pulled back. The wizard has been seen. We know what the truth is, and the Republicans hate that. Donald Trump is relegated to doing open mics at Mar-a-Lago's wedding receptions. Even there, he's dangerous. The people that follow him will kind of fade because things will be exposed and he will look worse and worse. There'll be indictments, there'll be jail terms, and it's just going to get bad. Come 2022, the Republicans are in deep shit. That may uh, sound the end for the Republican Party, if not before. So, (laughs) I get in these things, and I hate to have them start sounding like rants, but I'm very passionate about this stuff. I really believe this stuff, and it's important to me. Again, not for me. I'm comfortable. I'll be comfortable till I die 25, 30 years from now. But I'm really concerned about the future kids, my kids, grandkids, um, great-grandkids, all of your grandkids. we got to leave this place in a better spot than when we found it. And there's been a lot of troubles, trials, and tribulations in our lifetimes. Wouldn't it be nice if we had the power to make it better, make it easier for the people that go on after us? I don't know. I want to see my kids and grandkids and great-grandkids do well, enjoy life, have fun, have great memories. And hopefully I can give them some great memories of me and my wife and those of us that are older. Anyway, I've gone kind of long here, so let's wrap this up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to make sure you subscribe uh, to the Rational Boomer podcast. As you heard in the beginning of the show, you're welcome to ask questions. You can go on the Anchor app and you can do a voicemail message just like Tyler did. If you want to send me an email, you can do that too. It's very easy. It's rationalboomer at gmail.com. Rationalboomer at gmail.com. Just send me an email anytime you like. Ask me a question. Make a comment. I'll read it on the show. So thanks for joining me. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.